You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, everybody. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to remind you that I am doing this in video format now. So if you do want to watch the video and follow along, feel free to head over to our Facebook page at Freedom Strips. Give us a like while you're there and uh, we'll have the full videos uploaded uh, there for your viewing pleasure. And pretty soon I'm going to have a YouTube page uh, up and going. That way we'll have that uh, available as a resource as well. But uh, I'll get out of your way now and let's jump on into the show. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host, Keaton, and man, do I have something to talk about today. I've actually been wanting to talk about this um, th- this this story right here. These people right here, Antifa. I've been wanting to talk about Antifa for a while, but, you know, as I'm as I'm doing my research... Whoops, I accidentally hit my... Uh, Absolutely. Oh boy, I am at a good start so far. But during my research for my for my last few shows, I, I've kind of had other stories take priority. But since we had the recent news of another Antifa violent clash, I figured let's dedicate a show to it. Let's comb through who Antifa is. For those that may not know, they may just see it on the news and say, oh, this this violent group, this Antifa group who claims to be against Nazis and against white supremacy. How does that sound bad, right? Everybody's against that. How can you be against Antifa, anti-fascists? That sounds good, doesn't it? Everybody needs to be anti-fascist. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Unless everybody, you, everyone to the right of Karl Marx is a Nazi and a fascist. Then that slippery slope goes down and you start finding out that these people are just showing up to free speech events, college campuses with weapons and shields and helmets. And they're going to just put people in the hospital. I, I mean, th- these people right here. You you start swinging bats around and bike locks and, and crowbars and you hit someone in the head with just one time hit somebody in the head with a crowbar. You can kill somebody. So th- these people right here, Antifa, their their name means anti-fascist. That's not what they are. These guys right here, I'll tell you what they are. These are some brutal, violent, fanatic communists. And they are very open about their communist roots. I mean, their charter, they're basically against fascism, of course. I put fascism in quotes because, yeah, they they go against, uh, they've shown up to actual white supremacist events and and protested that. And I got to put protest in quotation marks because these people are just showing up with weapons. They're not protesting anything. They're essentially a domestic terrorist group. Um. And that's the thing about this country is you have, yes, you have a despicable group on one side spouting these white supremacist ugly ideas, right? The thing is, in this country, 
Those people have a right to say what they want to say, okay? And in almost every single case, those guys get a permit to go and hold an event somewhere, okay? So they go through the legal channels, as is their right to get a permit and to have some sort of meeting, okay? However vile and disgusting the ideas they may discuss, they they have a right to discuss that. What people don't have a right to do is just show up with weapons, bike locks, shields, and just go beat people up for the sake of it because they don't agree with your ideology. And you may have a soft spot. You should not have a soft spot for these people here. Okay? Because once I... We're going we're gonna to comb through this. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do... The best to my ability, I've gathered a lot of different videos and articles, and we'll kind of comb through some of their history in, in recent years. We'll go back to Charlottesville, of course. That's that's kind of like where this spark happened, right? And we'll really comb through the history of, of Antifa here in the United States in recent years. We'll comb through what exactly their MO is, what they're here to do. And then we'll cover the most recent attack on a journalist in Portland called Andy No. We'll get into that story. That poor guy got brutally attacked. And that's what kind of prompted me to be like, okay, look, I've been wanting to do this episode for a little bit. Now I got to do it. I got to do it now. Um, so let's, let's dive into it a little bit. So. They, they, these guys, and you'll hear the, uh, the media kind of say that they defend these guys in a way, right? So they're, they're anti-fascist, right? And they'll be like, well, look, violence is bad. We'll, we'll go through Chris Cuomo saying this violence is bad, but there's different morality in these punches, right? So even though violence is bad, one side is morally right because they oppose fascism, right? So even though these two groups fight, some fascists and these Antifa members, one side is morally on the right side. Now, once that starts to dissipate, is you start to realize that these people aren't just going after actual fascists. They're going out after political commentators. Anyone, like I said, anyone to the right of Karl Marx is a Nazi to them. That, that opens up a wide range of people to be proactive against. And what I mean by proactive is these people, they claim that they fight in self-defense. Now, the tricky part is they're not defending themselves. Okay. Well, what they claim is these people are spouting this ideology. That's an attack on me and to other people. So we're justified in just going and beating those people up. So, what they believe is that their their label of self-defense is justified by premeditated violence, offensive violence. Therefore, when they go out and initiate attacks on other people that they deem a threat or a Nazi, they are justified as acting in self-defense. Now, that's obviously not the correct definition of self-defense. 
You cannot go out and attack other people if they have not initiated a attack on you. In this country, people have the right to say what they want to say, however vile and ugly, unless they issue a threat of violence against another person. At that point, you can go through the legal channels and file a lawsuit against those people. This, this does not, none of this equates physical violence against another person. You can't do that in this country. We have a thing called free speech here and it protects, it protects speech that is disgusting and vile. And it protects speech with what I'm doing today, covering things like this, explaining different ideas. Okay. I'm able to express my opinion. You're able to express yours because we live in this beautiful country. These people want to change that. Let's break it down. So, the problem with Antifa, other than their brutal, violent tactics and communist roots, they consider everyone that they disagree with and that disagrees with their ideology a Nazi. So they show up to these free speech events, these college campuses, they go, they, they create thousands of dollars worth of damage to these events. And they actually go after specific people, okay? So, they label these people as threats and as Nazis. So, how insane are these people? They, they call Ben Shapiro. I don't know if you know Ben Shapiro. I mean, some people listening to the show may have heard me um, talk about Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is a practicing religious Jew. All right? So, think of this. Five, five foot six, very short, religious Jew wearing the yarmulke and calling that dude a Nazi. He's a right wing political commentator. And they call that dude a Nazi. So what Ben Shapiro does, and and this is very popular. This is kind of what brought him into, um, to his his stage that he's at now all right he's extremely popular <clears throat> what he would do is he would go and he would host these events at college campuses okay so the reason why he would do this is because obviously there is a very heavy left wing bias in college campuses not everyone is getting the um opposing views shared to them in their educational system. So what Ben Shapiro would do, he'd host these events where it's essentially just a giant Q and a session. He would go and he would kind of express what he believed. Um, and, and he would, uh, encourage students from every point of view to come up and ask him questions. Um, and it was a great kind of uh, way to get these kids thinking outside of the box, right? Cause they only get one side of the story. And he's he and he shows up with the with the other side, the other arguments that they very likely were never introduced to. Okay, try and open these kids' minds up uh, to um, different ideas and different um, different ideas and different versions of the truth. Okay, so he hosts these. Antifa labels this guy a Nazi and follows him to every event he does at college campuses. Ben Shapiro can't even go to specific college campuses because the college campuses can't afford the security at the events. 
He has to travel with thousands and thousands of dollars of armed security for his, for his own life to protect his own life. Thousands of dollars of security just to go host an event at a college to have a free discussion. That's it. Free discussion. These people are insane. Like I said, most recently in the news, we'll get into the Andy No story in Portland. There was this um, sort of right-leaning journalist that was just brutally beat in Portland. We'll get into that story. And many on the media were making excuses for this Antifa group saying, well, he was asking for it essentially. Just because he was there, he he had covered past Antifa events and he had criticized their use of violence in past events. Well, why would he go there? You know, he, he knew that they didn't like him. He's basically asking for it. Wild. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Charlottesville where this thing really started getting out of control. So, when you think of Charlottesville, like I do, you go back and you think Robert E. Lee statue is being removed. You had people on one side that did not want the statue removed for whatever reason, you know, cultural reasons. It's been there for God knows how long. I mean, a long time. And this group was labeled as the problem is the media labeled this entire group that showed up against this Robert E. Lee statue being removed as white nationalists. Now, obviously this was not the case. The white nationalist group who did show up mainly after the, they showed up the following day after this, they showed up. It's a, fairly small group of these actual neo-Nazis that show up. Okay. On the other side, you have these guys that show up in armed gear. They have helmets, they have shields, they have weapons. This is just a bad situation about to get worse because where's the police? The police are nowhere to be seen. They're on the outskirts of all of this. And they've been heavily criticized for this, uh, uh, this event because what happens is eventually tensions rise, starts to boil over these two groups, start to go at it. And in the chaos of just people beating each other in the middle of the street, A guy gets in his car, drives away, and horribly runs over a woman who is later pronounced dead. So a woman was killed in the middle of this chaos. Now, the media portrays this as just a guy who just plows through purposefully and and, and with the intent to kill. Now, this guy, whoever was driving the car, I think, got consecutive life sentences because they, they, they put that guy away forever. 
for hitting that lady with a car. But I mean, you look at the situation. It was just utter chaos and the police were doing nothing about it. Anyway, sorry, I went on a long tangent there, but that like essentially Charlottesville, you look at these two groups, one by the media is labeled completely white nationalist, the other justified in their violence. Okay. Now, the other thing with Charlottesville is you have the popular Trump line. There were very fine people on both sides. That's what Trump said in his Q&A after the, uh, the events unfolded. Now, this was obviously very, very misconstrued and bent and um, essentially taken extremely out of context because no one actually listens to the full Q&A, all right? So what Trump is saying here, and we're going to listen to it because I want you to listen to this whole thing. And it actually shocked me how clear Trump was. He said that he condemns fully the white nationalists that were there. He's not defending white nationalism. What he says is there were people on both sides that were there to peacefully protest. And he's completely right. There were people on both sides, Antifa side. They might not have been there as the Antifa group. They weren't armed and they didn't, they weren't ready to fight. They were just against the other side who was protesting the removal of the statue. They wanted the statue removed. The other side, there were people there that, Hey, you know, this has been a part of our history. We grew up in the South and they weren't looking at it as a racist icon. They were looking at it as like a, a, a cultural icon that that's this is the history of the South. They don't want it removed. Feel however you feel you want to feel about that. That's just what some people were there for. Actually, a majority of the people were there for that. And then you had actual neo-Nazis the following day. So I want you to listen to this Trump Q and a in full. And I want you to see how badly the media twisted his words against him because if you hear this always comes up when you talk to someone about Trump and they're like, well, he supports a white national. I mean, he's a white nationalist. He's basically a neo-Nazi. He's a Nazi. And you go, well, why is he a Nazi? What has he done? We'll look at Charlottesville and this is what they're talking about. So let's take a listen. I will tell you something. I watched those very closely, much more closely than you people watched it. And you have, uh, you, you had a group on one side that was bad, and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent. And nobody wants to say that, but I'll say it right now. You had a group, you had a group on the other side that came charging in without a permit, and they were very, very violent. Go ahead. Do you think that the, what you call the alt-left is the same as neo-Nazis? I, oh, those people, all of those people, excuse me. I've condemned neo-Nazis. I've condemned many different groups, but not all of those people were neo-Nazis, believe me. Not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. Those people were also there because they wanted to protest the taking down of a statue, Robert E. Lee. So, excuse me, and you take a look at some of the groups and you see, and you know it if you were honest reporters, which in many cases you're not, 
But many of those people were there to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. So this week it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? But they were there to protest. Excuse me. You take a look the night before. They were there to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. Infrastructure question. Go ahead. Should statues of Robert E. Lee stay up? I would say that's up to a local town, community, or the federal government, depending on where it is located. Are you against the Confederacy? I'm concerned about race relations in America. Do you think things have gotten worse or better since you took office? I think they've gotten better or the same. I look, they've been frayed for a long time. And you can ask President Obama about that because he'd make speeches about it. But I believe that the fact that I brought in, it will be soon, millions of jobs. You see. So he goes into uh, how he brought in a lot of jobs and he's put he's poured money into the inner city. I'm just going to skip ahead here a little bit so we can actually get to the line. Putting what you're calling the alt-left and white supremacists on the same moral plane. I'm not putting anybody on a moral plane. What I'm saying is this. You had a group on one side and you had a group on the other and they came at each other with clubs and it was vicious and it was horrible and it was a horrible thing to watch. But there is another side. There was a group on this side, you can call them the left, you've just called them the left, that came violently attacking the other group. So you can say what you want, but that's the way it is. <laughs> I do think there's blame. Yes, I think there's blame on both sides. You look at you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it. And you don't have any doubt about it either. And and, and, and if you reported it accurately, you would say. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now are we going to take down his statue? So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers, and you see them come with the, with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. You got a, you had a lot of bad you had a lot of bad people in the other group. He's got he's got a great point. And as you heard him say, there were very fine people on both sides and he immediately says, I condemn the Nazis 
the white nationalists, I'm talking about purely the people that peacefully showed up to protest, not the neo-Nazis, just the other people that were there to protest the monument being removed. And he even went on to say that the Antifa side had good, uh, had decent people on, on its side. Not the people, he says, with the helmets and the weapons and the shields that went there directly looking for a fight and a conflict, but the people there that were just there to counter protest. Now the issue, and he rightly brought it up, was one side, which were the people protesting the removal of it, had a permit. They went through the legal channels to, to show up there and to protest. The other side, the left side, the ones with Antifa, did not have a permit. Now, as he says, um, this reporter tries to get him with a gotcha question. I'm going to back it up here in just a second. This reporter tries to get him with a gotcha question on, um, he, he said that the press was treating them unfairly. And he was discussing the uh, the side that he's talking about the people who were very fine people on both sides. The press was treating them unfairly, mainly on the right, associating them as neo-Nazis. There were Nazis there, but he's talking about the ones that weren't. He couldn't be more clear. Now, listen to this. The black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. You got a, you had a lot of bad you had a lot of bad people in the other group too. I'm sorry, I just didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly. No. I just didn't understand what you were saying. No. There were oh, I didn't understand what you were saying. Were you saying that the press was treating Nazis unfairly, Mr. President? Is that what you were saying? The press was treating Nazis unfairly. That's that's what it sounded like you were saying to me. So that's what I'm going to tell CNN and MSNBC in my news articles. That's what you said. Now, Trump obviously says, no, that's not what I was saying. A lot of bad people in the other group, too. I'm sorry, I just didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly? I just didn't understand what you were saying. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, there were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day, it looked like they had some... Rough, bad people, neo-Nazis, uh, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, they had a permit. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this. There are two sides to a story. I thought what took place was a horrible moment for our country, a horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. Does anybody have a final? Does anybody have? You have an infrastructure. What makes you think you can get an infrastructure? So that is the Q&A session where that infamous line came into play. Now, let's just take a trip back memory lane and see how the media portrayed that line out of context. Let's go to Don Lemon here. Um, I... Look at the headline here. Breaking news. Trump, quote, very fine people on both sides, quote, in Charlottesville. 
Wolf. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking as we were about to go on the air, what am I going to say to Wolf Blitzer? What am I going to say to my colleagues? What am I going to say to the country and the world who is watching? Um, this, is, this is a sad moment for the country, and I think it was an awful moment for the, the person who's supposed to represent the highest office of the land. I mean, there you, today you saw the real Donald Trump proving all of his critics right. There it is. You saw the real Donald Trump proving all of his critics right. See, I told you he was a white nationalist. We got a Nazi in the White House, huh? Proving his critics right. The Trump showing his real colors, his real neo-Nazi colors, calling fine people on that side. In that moment, everyone was sitting there watching saying, here we go. His true colors are coming out to equate a group that is a protest group, two protest groups, uh, yes, they're both protest groups, and they're talking about Antifa or Antifa, however you want to pronounce it, calling them the alt-left. Well, that group protests fascism, so they were there protesting fascism. Maybe their tactics weren't exactly right. All groups uh, like that, political groups, rights groups, protest groups, it's messy. Maybe their tactics weren't right. So their tactics are, and we've gone over this, and I'm going to go through some of their history here. Their tactics are just showing up and beating up people that they oppose. In this case, they actually show up to this event where some Nazis, uh, some neo-Nazis show up. Others are not, obviously, because there are not a lot of neo-Nazis in this country. I don't know if you know this. It's a very, very small group. When's the last time you actually saw one? Think about it. You walk outside all the time. If it's so prevalent, where are they? Richard Spencer can't even... He lives in his, his parents' basement. <laughs> I, I saw like a, a Twitter uh, or like a YouTube video of him doing like one of his live stream uh, things and uh, he's like trying to give like this interview to somebody uh, online and his dad comes down in the basement and is just like turn that off I hate when you're talking about your Nazi stuff I, I hate when you're talking about that and he's like dad get out of my room I hate you <laughs> no he didn't say that but it just makes me feel good to equate that guy to like a, a teenager living in his parents basement because he was literally in his parents basement the guy can't cannot fill up a bedroom full of people to one of his meetings. The, he is not a giant threat, okay? The thing about these white nationalists is, yes, they, they promote vile and disgusting ideologies and vile and disgusting ideas. You know what kind of stomps that out the best? It's not... It's not pushing these people underground, which is what's happening. Okay. You see all of this and feel how you want about this, this tech censorship stuff, right? And I swear I'm going to get back to into this here. This is a, this is a tangent here, this tech censorship stuff. Okay. They're pushing these people underground. This is not getting rid of the ideology. This is not getting rid of the people if we found anything about making things illegal, it does not stop it. It just forces it underground. It will still take place. Look at the war on drugs, okay? The, the, the government 
declared a war on drugs in the 60s to curb drug use. And drug use is at its highest point it's ever been. The flow of drugs has not stopped. It's the same thing with this, right? You start pushing these people underground. That's where they can fester and grow. Okay. If you actually now listen to me, if you actually allow these people onto YouTube and to Facebook, people can actually call them out and be like, no, that's a disgusting idea. You should feel ashamed for believing in that. You should feel ashamed for believing in that publicly shame them that way. Violence is not the answer. That's going to drive these people underground and it's going to allow these ideas to fester and to grow. That's how they grow is they, they, they get pushed into a corner in a dark underground, dark space and they can fester and grow that way. But to act like these, these people are like taking over America. This ideology is taking over America. This is just fear mongering 101 by the media. And Don Lemon's part of it. He's to blame, as well as Chris Cromo. Let's see what he has to say. I'm not going to play this video because it's a six-minute video, but I am going to read the kind of outline of his argument here. CNN's Chris Cuomo argued that Antifa protesters are wrong to hit people, police, and reporters because they hit everybody. They hit people that they disagree with. They hit the police, and they hit reporters and journalists. They fight everybody. Okay, so it's wrong to hit those people. But he says, quote, but fighting hate is right, end quote. And in a clash between hate and those who oppose it, those who oppose it are on the side of the right. Cuomo said, quote, all punches are not equally moral or not equal morally when it comes to bigots. However, he acknowledged that two punches are are actually equal in the eyes of the law. People who show up and fight against bigots are not to be judged the same as the bigots, even if they do resort to the same petty violence, Cuomo said. Fighting against hate matters. I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. In the eyes of the law, yes, but in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. If you're a punk that comes to start trouble in a mask and hurt people, You're not about any virtuous cause. You're just somebody who wants to be held to the standard of doing something wrong. But when someone comes to call out bigots and it gets hot, even physical, are they equally wrong as the bigot they are fighting? I argue no. Fighting against hate matters. So, that might have some semblance, a a tiny semblance of truth. If these people MO, the the Antifa MO, these guys, if their entire existence wasn't fully based on pure violence, offensive violence, premeditated violence, and they get to decide who the opposition is, anyone who disagrees with their ideology, their communist views, Regardless of who they are and regardless of who stands in the way, the police, journalists, here's Don Lemon again. 
movement in American history. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Um, no one condones the violence, but there were different reasons for Antifa and for these neo-Nazis uh, to be there. One, racist fascists. The other group fighting racist fascists. There is a fascist. There's a distinction there. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's a difference there. <clears throat> one side is fascist. The other is communist. Can we go over communism and fascism real quick? Both of them disgusting idea. How is it? Explain me this. Sorry, I'm getting fired up here. But this, this, this is this is crazy to me. Because this is actually something that's happening in this country, and it's wild to me that it is. How is it morally acceptable to be an open communist in this country? Let me give you a brief history of what communism has brought to the world since its ideology was created. Communism was the leading ideological cause of death between 1900 and, or 1900 and 2000. The 94 million that perished in China, the Soviet Union, North Korea, Afghanistan, Eastern Europe easily and tragically trumped the 28 million that died under fascism and fascist regimes during the same period. Let me say that again. Communism killed 94 million people. Whereas fascism killed 28 million. This is not a, look, this is not a comparison to say, I am not saying that fascism is better than communism. The death toll certainly is. But these ideologies are both garbage. But one is prevalent in this country to say that it's okay to be openly communist. You can't be openly fascist. Obviously, that's wrong. Openly communist should be the same thing. But it's not. You see in these um, college campuses, you've got these left-wing professors that are spreading these Marxist ideas openly to kids in college. They're spreading these socialized um economic systems and these Marxist ideas as these like morally superior ideas. This same ideology that has killed 94 million people during the century measured more people died as a result of communism than from homicide at 58 million and genocide at 30 million put together. During the century, communism killed more than every death from homicide and genocide combined. The combined death tolls of World War I and World War II. World War I had 37 million dead. World War II had 66 million dead. Those two combined only exceeded communism's death toll by 9 million. Both world wars total deaths only exceeded communisms by 9 million. It gets worse when you look at the deaths due to famine. Curiously, 
All of the world's worst famines during the 20th century were in communist countries. China, twice, the Soviet Union, and in North Korea. Isn't it wild to think about that? An ideological system that is, at this point, associated with over 100 million deaths at this point in time is openly prevalent in this country and in college campuses and those ideas are being spread and even today the ideas are being espoused by presidential candidates like Bernie Sanders you go to college campus it is it is more dangerous to wear a red make America great again hat on a college campus than it is to be an open Marxist. Isn't that wild? That's crazy to me. You wear the wrong color hat. And there was a story where, um, this poor girl, she went to one of these events where Antifa showed up and she wore a red hat that said, make Bitcoin great again. But it looked like the Trump hat, right? But it said, make Bitcoin great again. She got hit over the head with a, with a pipe. Knocked her out. Had to go to the hospital, got stitches. Just because she was wearing that hat. It wasn't a Trump hat. It was made to look like one. To make a point. It's more dangerous to wear that hat around than it is to be an open communist. To spread the ideas of 94 million, over 100 million at this point, dead. So, the media obviously went through how they twisted those words and <clears throat> forced their own agenda through that. Uh, they didn't stop there. Joe Biden's presidential announcement actually was centered around Charlottesville. Charlottesville, Virginia is home to the author of one of the great documents in human history. We know it by heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've heard it so often, it's almost a cliche, but it's who we are. We haven't always lived up to these ideals. Jefferson himself didn't, but we have never before walked away from them. Charlottesville is also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. It was there on August of 2017, we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. Their crazed faces, illuminated by torches, veins bulging and burying the fangs of racism, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans. And a violent... A courageous group of Americans. That's what he calls Antifa. And this vile, disgusting group was met by a group of courageous Americans clash ensued and a brave young woman lost her life 
And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the again. conscience of this nation. There it is. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides? With those words, the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. So there you have it. So Joe Biden still exploiting that debunked line, that twisted line that didn't actually have that context. Good job, Joe Biden. Let's move on. Um, How am I doing on time here? Let me take a look. Uh, oh boy. I am running up on time. I don't know as if I have time to play this. All right. I'm just going to have to jump into, uh, oh boy. All right. You know what? No, I'm making this, I'm making this my way. This is going to be a longer episode. Let's dive into it. CNN did a coverage of uh, Antifa back in 2017. Lead the national lead now. By most accounts, almost all of the people protesting against the hateful bigots, the Nazis and Klansmen in Charlottesville, were peaceful. But not all of them. In their midst was a sometimes very violent group of protesters that call themselves Antifa, known to not only clash with bigots, but also sometimes with police and occasionally storefronts. At least two journalists in Virginia were assaulted by violent counter-protesters over the weekend, including this cameraman from the Richmond CBS affiliate. CNN's Sarah Gannon now takes us inside Antifa and shows us this group like you've never seen it before. It's 6 a.m. in Portland, Oregon, and we're headed to a bar with blacked-out windows. They wanted to meet us really early in the morning because they're concerned about a lot of people being around. We are meeting members of the Rose City Antifa. That, that sounds like uh, you're on the right side of the uh, right group, doesn't it? Let's meet early in the morning because we're concerned about people being around and seeing us. Oh, that sounds like a morally righteous group to be a part of, doesn't it? For anti-fascist, this group's main goal is to disrupt neo-Nazis and white supremacists, but also take on government and capitalism. Antifa and there's the communist Antifa. roots there. Taking on capitalism with it. Group that's willing to stand up against fascists by any means necessary. By any means necessary, they say, can mean outing a white nationalist at their work or to their neighbors. Or, as we've seen recently, violence, fires, property damage, hand-to-hand combat at protests across the country. Explain to me the reasoning behind fighting. You have to make it so unpalatable to be doing white supremacist organizing that they no longer want to do that. And historically, that's what's worked. You have to put your body in the way and you have to make it speak in a language that they understand. And sometimes that is violence. There's no firm number on how many Antifa activists there are in the U.S. because there isn't any one organization. Most are local groups that recruit and communicate through social media. But experts who track these organizations say their membership is growing in response to the rise of white national groups 
and the election of President Donald Trump. There's no rise in white nationalism. Destruction led to more than 200 arrests in Washington, D.C. on inauguration day. Prosecutors say they were wearing masks covered head to toe in black, a tactic the Antifa called black block. People dress in black block. Listen to this. Few things. One Scott Crow has been leading anarchist and militant leftist groups for decades. So people put on the masks so that we can all become anonymous. And then therefore we are able to move more freely and do what we need to do, whether it is illegal or not. So some people will push back on that and say that the black block is to keep people from being identified and arrested when they break the law, when they commit crime. Damn right. It's a good way to avoid uh, the ramifications of law enforcement. We saw that firsthand at a May Day protest in New York City. We cover our face because the Nazis will try to find out who we are. And that is a very bad thing because they harass people. When they organize, they kill people, they hurt people, they fight people. <laughs> when these Nazis organize, they go and they hurt people, they kill people, they fight people. Unlike us, who, when we organize, we go through and we fight people, we hurt people, and we've targeted people to kill? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it reminds me of that, uh, that gif of the guy saying, Are we the baddies? Are we the bad guys? Wait a minute, we're fighting this group because... Why? And we're doing the same thing? This is a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he believes, and he's fighting a make-believe threat. He's been brainwashed to think that white nationalism somehow is on the rise. It is not. This, this ideology is not on the rise. Alright, look. This is right here. Let's take a look at this. This is reason they covered this Unite the Right protest, right? A, a protest. So it says right here. So what happened at Unite the Right 2? Apparently the Unite the Right 1 was Charlottesville, right? So what happened to Unite the Right 2? The organizer's permit application stated that about 400 attendees would gather outside of the White House to commemorate last year's rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. The estimate was later downgraded to about 200. But by the time the rain started falling on Lafayette Square, it was clear that fewer than 30 were showing up amid a significant presence of cops and counter-protesters. Most of downtown Washington, D.C., was shut down. Bands of black-clad Antifa members came with shields, helmets, gas masks, and police surrounded the far-right protesters to protect them from violence. Most counter-protesters never laid eyes on anyone from the group they came to stand against. So what happened at Unite the Right 2? A massive police presence escorted a handful of white supremacists through a metro station in Virginia. Cameras were everywhere. One guy was arrested for spitting on a Virginia state police officer. That was it, right? That's it? Go home. That's it? After a short ride to DC, a few Nazis actually showed their faces in public. 
A few hundred anti-fascists hid theirs. Thousands of counter-protesters from diverse backgrounds rallied, chanted, and marched in the streets. Donald Trump, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. Racist cops, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. Ain't no power like the power of the people, because the power of the people don't stop. Any time, any place, Some groups marched better than others. Cameras were everywhere. Some guy burned a Nazi slash Confederate flag hybrid, and this guy dressed up as Indiana Jones because Nazis. As for the right-wing protests, I have no idea what they said because they were completely drowned out by loud boos and Game of Thrones references. As the rain fell on Lafayette Square, the crowds began to disperse. Most counter-protesters never even saw anyone from the far right at the rally. I saw a few of them on their way out. It was like a handful of people, that was it. And they have a basic right to protest, we have a right to protest, so we show up with more numbers. They just can't put on a showing like they think they can. So that's the thing. They, they, they can't put on a showing because they don't have the numbers to. Ay, ay, ay. This is a Washington Post article back in 2017 covering the Berkeley Antifa riot. Let's, uh, I'm going to read a, a little bit of this here. Last weekend in Berkeley, California, again, this was in 2017, so I keep that in mind. A group of neo-communist Antifa, anti-fascist, attacked peaceful protesters at a no Marxism in America rally. So this is what I was saying. They don't just go, they don't actually specifically go to just actual white nationalist events they go to different events that they deem a threat all right free speech events open college campus discussions they go to a no marxism in america rally which obviously they don't stand for because they're communists so they attacked peaceful protesters at a no marxism Marxism in America rally, wielding sticks and pepper spray and beating people with homemade shields that read, and I kill you, I kill you not. <laughs> no, they'll kill you. I kid you not. The shields read no hate. The post reports how one peaceful protester was attacked by five black clad Antifa members, each windmilling kicks and punches into a man desperately trying to protect himself. Members of the Berkeley College Republicans were then stalked by Antifa goons who followed them to a gas station and demanded that they get the bleep out of their car, warning, we're real hungry for supremacists and there's more of us. All right. The organizer of the anti-Marxism protest is not a white supremacist. Amber Cummings is a self-described transsexual female who embraces diversity. So it doesn't matter who you are. As we, as we find out when I'm going to cover Andy No next, the, the journalist beat up in Portland. He is a Vietnamese gay man who is a journalist covering that, mo that movement and they beat him up. It doesn't matter who you are. Amber, uh, Amber Cummings is a self-described transsexual female who embraces diversity and had announced on Facebook that any racist groups like the KKK and neo-Nazis are not welcome. 
The protest was indeed what, what the protest was needed, Cummings said, because Berkeley is ground zero for the Marxist movement. And as if to prove Cummings' point, the Antifa movement responded with jackboots and clubs because their definition of fascist includes not just neo-Nazis, but anyone who opposes their totalitarian worldview. Man, oh man. (sighs) I'm going to skip some of this and just get right into what happened in Portland. Andy No, who is a journalist, was attacked in Portland. We have the video here. I will show you. Warning. Graphic language is coming. Um, Just so you know, this is in the middle of a fight, so words are thrown around that are pretty colorful. So keep that in mind. But here is the video of the attack of a gay Vietnamese journalist being attacked because they label him a Nazi because he's sitting there filming them fighting, I guess. Now what they're what they're throwing at him right there are milkshakes. And Portland police had said there were reports of dry cement being mixed into the milkshakes. Now, if that's the case, dry cement inside of and this this milkshake stuff started in um the UK where they started the left wing protesters started throwing milkshakes at right-wing political figures. So that's why they're throwing milkshakes. But if, if it is true that dry cement was being mixed into these milkshakes, like the Portland police says, what dry cement will do, it doesn't harden into like a, a cement milkshake. You can see that the liquid is actually just on him. But if it is the case that dry cement was in there, what it does is that that stuff has chemicals in it, right? And it can cause chemical burns on your skin. That's what quick dry cement does. That's why you have to be careful when you're mixing it. I've used quick dry cement many times, right? You can't touch it with your bare skin because you'll get chemical burns. I know this. My dad taught me this. You have to mix it with a shovel and make sure if you are getting it close to your hands, you wear gloves or long sleeve shirts to cover your bare skin. So, as you saw, that brutal attack on Andy No. This is Jim Ryan from the uh, Oregonian covering this here. Uh, so, what had happened was Andy No was there covering. There were two events scheduled. One event scheduled was a um, Him Too rally, which a Him Too rally was for male, it, it was like a male rights rally. Um, for men who had been falsely accused of rape. Okay, so people were meeting there to have a rally for that. Nothing's, I mean, I can't see anything wrong with that. People who are falsely accused of rape should be protected. And you see a high number of those, um, those legal actions 
with the the false accusations of rape just skyrocket in the last year or so. So they're meeting for that. And then the other meeting was like a uh, a patriotic, it was just like a patriotic meeting where people were just going to show up and show off the, they were going to flag, wave the American flag. There was not, there were no other flags being flown other than just the American flag. And so Antifa obviously can't have that. And so they showed up to protest that as well. So Jim Ryan says, morning folks, at least two right wing demonstrations are scheduled for today in downtown, downtown Portland. Counter protesters are planning to gather in opposition. Portland police says three sites, Pioneer Square, Chapman Square, and Waterfront Park will be involved and that the events will be uh, begin at noon. Scenes from the square where a couple hundred demonstrators have gathered for milkshakes, music, etc. So they're sitting here giving away milkshakes outside of these areas where the protests are going to happen. Obviously to be used to, to throw against the other side. So they're mixing these and look at here. Looks like Mr. Andy. No got hit by a milkshake photo was a screenshot from a video on his profile. So Andy, no, this is before his, his, uh, attack. He, he was sitting there filming, gets a milkshake thrown on him immediately. Let's skip ahead here. Let's go to the actual coverage. This is what the Oregonian has here. Rival demonstrators clashed Saturday afternoon in the downtown Portland, resulting in a myriad of myriad of injuries and three arrests. Protesters from the left and right held separate demonstrations that eventually resulted in roving marches throughout the downtown core, halting traffic and public transit for much of the early afternoon amid busy tourist season. Police declared a civil disturbance and unlawful assembly shortly after 3 p.m. and crowds dispersed before the afternoon concluded. <clears throat> the demonstrations, which were mostly peaceful, started at about noon in Lounsdale and Pioneer Courthouse squares. Video of one skirmish in which a local conservative writer was apparently attacked by a group of left-wing protesters quickly spread across the Internet. That was Andy No's attack that we just saw. At Lounsdale, a group of opposing right-wing demonstrators pumped music and distri- uh, distributed <clears throat> vegan milkshakes. So, on the other on the other protest, the demonstration, the left-wing Antifa were mixing milkshakes and distributing, uh, giving them away. Meanwhile, a separate, loosely organized demonstration by the Him Too movement occurred at Pioneer Courthouse Square. Members say they support men who have been falsely accused of rape. Protesters from competing factions converged near Pioneer Courthouse Square, leading to brief flashes of violence and pointed confrontations. At one point, people in the crowd threw eggs and milkshakes at Portland police officers who had the milkshakes. The Antifa side, like I said, they attack everybody. The police, journalists, if they deem you a threat, like supporting people who have been falsely accused of rape, you get eggs and milkshakes thrown at you too. Some milkshakes that were thrown may have contained a substance similar to quick-drying cement, police said. They also asked for people who witnessed violent assaults to email them. Protesters were also seen using bear and pepper spray. 
Officers deployed pepper spray into the crowd near the Pioneer Courthouse Square at some point during the protests. Police said they arrested three people during the course of the afternoon. Uh, Medics treated eight people, including three officers. Three officers and eight people got brutally injured, according to police. One officer was punched in the arm. Another officer was hit in the head by a projectile and two were pepper sprayed. At least two people were seen being treated for injuries near the Nines Hotel on Southwest Morrison Street. <clears throat> Police said of the three injured people received med- who received medical care at area hospitals, among the injured over the course of the afternoon was Andy No, the conservative writer who appeared to be attacked by Antifa members. So, Ted Cruz is actually... Um, he's he's advocating for legal action being done against the Portland mayor because, and I wish I had more time to dive into this because I don't want to go too much longer because I'm running out of time here. But essentially this Portland mayor has allowed this Antifa stuff to fester in his city. That's why you always see Portland in the news for these violent outbreaks of Antifa. He's allowed, he's basically handcuffed. So this is the weird thing about Portland, the mayor, and it's some kind of weird organization in their government the mayor is the chief of police so this guy ted wheeler the chief of police and portland mayor all in one i guess you get both definitely no conflict of interest there has been known to kind of essentially tell the police to kind of back off and don't intervene on these type of events He's done it in the past where Antifa basically went into Portland, downtown Portland, took over the streets and were directing traffic, not allowing people to pass as they're trying to get to work. They're closing off the streets. One guy tried to, uh, there's a video of a guy. Um, let's see if I can, uh, anyway, there's a, there's a video of a guy who tries to turn down one of the streets that they tried to block off. And so they beat his car and caused thousands of damage to this guy's car. So Ted Cruz is actually uh, calling for an investigation into Ted Wheeler um, for legal action against that guy. And I hope he gets it because my God, the, the fact that you don't nip this in the bud is unbelievable. You allow this to fester and to grow into what it is today in your own city. A political hack. <clears throat> now, this is an article um, which I, uh, I'm i going to end in reading. I've got another article that uh, I wanted to read as well, but I'm just going to stick with this one. We're going to end on this one, guys. So, this article comes from CNN, surprisingly, their op-ed section. All right. So this, all right, don't, don't get too excited that CNN might actually be pumping out some decent stuff because there's still fake news. Everybody calm down. Uh, I want to give this guy a shout out though. What's his name? James A. Gagliano. 
James A. Gagliano, good on you, brother. His article is is labeled, <clears throat> We Need to Pay Attention to the Attack on Andy No. Let's take a look at this video this here. Morning. This morning, there are serious questions about security in Portland after a journalist was attacked there while documenting violent protests between anti-fascist protesters Where's and the police? Of several far-right groups. Joining me now is Andy No. You saw him there in the video. He suffered serious Look injuries at, this guy. at the hands of some Antifa protesters. Andy, just tell me what happened. Look at his eye. My God. I, as a journalist, was covering a protest organized by Antifa activists and the event was billed as resisting fascist violence, but as a journalist of color and a gay man, I ended up in the hospital covering that event with a brain hemorrhage. A brain hemorrhage. How are you doing this morning? What are your injuries? First of all, who let this guy, like... I understand this is a very um, important event. This guy literally looks like he just got out of the hospital bed and he's like staring off into space, obviously has a huge concussion. They say he had a brain hemorrhage and he's on live television. I feel real bad for him. I mean, he looks awful, but he's just staring into space. Obviously, he has not recovered. <laughs> Who decided that this was a good idea for this guy to be on TV? He's, he's very clearly struggling to find the words to say. I... I'm glad to be out of the hospital. Uh, I'm surprised that various times um, I'm having these cognitive hiccups that weren't really apparent to me um, from just laying in bed in a hospital. But now that I'm trying to return to more normal activities, um, they're becoming uh, more apparent. What was surreal as I was getting beat is that I could actually still see the Monoma County Justice Center, and that houses some of the most important institutions of law in Portland. It has the sheriff's office, it has the central police precinct, has courthouses. And I just kept thinking at any moment after the first punch to the back of my head that police were going to swoop in and save me, mm. but it never happened. The punches kept coming, and as I stumbled away on my own, in bloodied. I thought at any point the police would come to me mm -hmm. then, and that didn't happen either. <clears throat> Let me just uh, read you uh, uh, one of the tweets from the Portland mayor, Ted Wheeler. We stand against all forms of violence, regardless of someone's political leanings. Portland police officers have had the unenviable task of keeping the peace. It's a difficult job, and hard decisions are made in real time. While we continue to learn more about what transpired over the weekend, we will keep you informed. We'll do everything we can to make sure that those who have committed violence are held accountable right this morning yeah obviously which is uh which is bs there because he's the chief of police you're held accountable right this sir. morning oops you're held accountable you fix it you've done this in the past you've hand you basically handcuffed your police department told them not to intervene and this is what happens Nothing quite exemplifies tolerance like the video of a masked young of masked young people hurling objects and screeching profanities at a young conservative journalist. The viral images are sickening. Andy No, a photojournalist and editor at the online magazine Quillette, 
who had made a cottage industry of exposing instances of manufactured hate crimes, was viciously assaulted while covering an Antifa rally held at, as a counter-protest to a rally of right-wing groups, including the Proud Boys in Portland, Oregon. Antifa derives from anti-fascist and is associated with aggressive hard-left activism. The video shows mass protesters circling No, punching and hitting him and dousing him with a milkshake, then following him as he flees. One hurls something at his back. See, this is the thing. They're not even like... These people... They're, they're like um, vultures, right? So like if you see like... Uh, or like uh, hyenas... They don't just fight you head on. They're cowards. They wait for someone to hit. And then as you turn to fight that person, another person jumps from behind and hits you there. They're all cowards. They just kind of jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out, and they hit you from that. They're cowards. They don't actually stand up and fight against somebody. Too often we are seeing these days an abrogation. Uh, oh my God abgeration of civil decency and a proliferation of anarchy and lawlessness regular and potentially lethal violence by mass protester assailants is too often excused and condoned by twitter warriors this must not be our new this must not be our new normal simply bearing a name that says you're opposed to evil like anti-fascist should not inure us to your unprovoked violence and unconstitutional attempts to block others' free speech rights. Everyone, right and left, must condemn and literally unmask this behavior, not glorify it for political ends. As CNN's Jake Tapper observed on Twitter, quote, Antifa regularly attacks uh, journalists. It's reprehensible. No also made several posts to Twitter's following the assault during which he said his camera equipment was stolen. No posted photographs of his brood and battered face taken. <clears throat> he wrote from the emergency room. His lawyer claims no suffered a brain bleed from the assault. According to Ryan, police said some of the masked goons may have laced their favorite milkshake projectile with a substance similar to quick drying cement. It's no secret that in the post-Ferguson era of policing, many law, many in law enforcement are worried about being accused of provoking protesters. Even those who seek to break the law in plain view of in uh, un, uniformed police, in plain view of uniformed police. FBI Director James Coney described this phenomenon as the Ferguson effect. Too often, protesters of all stripes ignore these laws, choosing to mobilize via online appeals without involving government officials in their plans, or defy the terms of their permit when a protest gets out of hand. What's more, for many of the current crop of young protesters, like some of the ones in Portland attacking an unarmed journalist whose views they abhor is somehow noble and carries with it breathtaking exhilaration of anonymity courtesy of a face scarf or a mask much simpler when so adorned to get away with saying and doing things that might arguably draw charges of incitement to riot. And though some States have over the years criminalized the wearing of masks used to evade or escape discovery of one's identity when gathered in groups or committing a crime, 
Some have curiously chosen not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us cease viewing this issue as too complicated. It really is not. While some minimize assaults like the one on No because the assembly may have been, quote, mostly peaceful, this risks tactically condoning the behavior of those in the group who are prone to violent acts. Making excuses for violence because the offenders are adherents to your particular political views makes you a partisan apologist and a hypocrite. Of course, many conservatives act as Trump apologists, covering for the president when he says or does something worthy of criticism, and they tolerate the intolerable in the pursuit of more conservative Supreme Court appointments. But equally infuriating is the progressive left's pretending that the elements of the Antifa Brigade are not violent anarchists or violent communists. Supporters of Antifa will argue that protesters wear their masks, their black block attire, as an act of solidarity to avoid being doxxed. Violent protesters should remain unmasked. There's simply no reason not to enforce the current state of anti-masking laws. And maybe it's time to discuss the enactment of federal law to be evenly applied across our great nation. If one's purpose is to peaceably counter-protest or rally just for a cause... What would be the concern with showing your face? So I'll end with this last thing here. Ricky Gervais had a great, great take on the milkshake throwing. He said on Twitter, It's interesting that people who believe that throwing a milkshake in someone's face shouldn't be considered assault. Which it obviously is. Um, the, those same people are often the ones who believe that saying things should be. So let me read that again. It's interesting that people who believe that throwing a milkshake in someone's face shouldn't be considered assault are often the same people who believe that, quote, saying things should be. It's a brilliant take. And that's the end of my episode. So, um... I hope this was informative enough. I, I tried to go through several articles. I know I went very long on this one, but this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, and I hope you enjoyed it. But um, if you haven't already, be sure to uh, like us and um, uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, like us on Facebook, um, go on Spotify, and we'll see you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. Later, everybody. Later, everybody.